You're listening to More in the Morning on News Talk 1010 Toronto. Jerry Agar in for John Moore. I've mentioned this a few times this morning. I checked my Instagram feed a few times this morning, and I think I'm already hit by Meta because I'm seeing a greater percentage. It just feels this way to me this morning. Um, This is just my anecdotal experience. It feels to me that all I'm getting on Instagram right now is advertising and a few other things. I'm not getting some of the stuff that I feel like I was getting even yesterday. And Meta who control and own uh, Facebook and Instagram have said that they're going to cut Canadians off to news feeds on Facebook and Instagram. This is this ongoing fight with the big digital media giants. The accusation against them being that all they do is link to the hard work that journalists from newspapers and radio and television stations, etc., and other maybe independent uh, news organizations, they link to that and and then they sell advertising and they make the money and they've made it harder than for the people who actually generated the content in the first place to sell advertising and make a living. So there's a fight going on between those big digital giants and uh, the Canadian government at the moment. They're fighting those fights all around the world, as a matter of fact. And joining me now, the Canada Research Chair in Internet and E-Commerce Law at the Centre for Law, Technology and Society, the University of Ottawa, Dr. Michael Geis. Good morning. Oh, good morning. Whose side are you on here? You know, it's weird to take the side of Google and, and Facebook or Meta, but I don't think there's any doubt that they're right in the way that they've described the legislation. I think their approach right now was predictable and predicted, and, gov- and a legislation that is fundamentally premised on mandated payments for links, most of which are posted by publishers themselves, is just deeply flawed legislation, and there are far better ways about going, at, going about doing this. But there's a real problem here in that uh, how many days can you go through before you hear about another newspaper being closed. Of course, there's a big problem, but the success of those companies has virtually nothing to do with the availability of news on their platforms. Uh, in the case of Facebook, accounts that accounts for about 3% of users' feeds, and company says is highly substitutable. People spend the same amount of time on the platform, whether they're looking at news links, clicking on to the sites themselves, uh, or looking at pictures of friends. So it doesn't have a ton of value to the sites themselves, and the success they've had on digital ads have practically nothing to do with news. All right, so what is the solution here? Because, you know, standing in front of uh, all the people who are about to lose their jobs in a newspaper, it's hard to say, uh, hey, but we love those digital giants. It is, but as I say, the digital giants, if anything, are actually still driving traffic back to those sites. That's why publishers have been posting the links and why so so many of them are deeply concerned with this bill. In fact, you know, this is going to hit the very companies that we would most want to see succeed, which are some of the more innovative, digital-first type startups that are trying to find a new way in the digital world. They're the ones that are even more dependent on using social media and search to try to build an audience. As they told the Senate committee, as a much as 30% of their traffic comes from these free referral links from a site like Facebook. And so to say that somehow uh, this is the approach you're going to take, which is actually going to hurt the very companies that are trying to innovate in the space is enormously problematic. Layer on top of that legislation that would provide the majority of its money, not to the newspapers you talk about, but to broadcasters, the CBC and radio broadcasters, Bell and Rogers, they would get 75% of the revenue. It wouldn't be going to the the, those newspapers that you that you note at all well it should
but that's not the bill. Yeah. And so if you ask so so you asked me, you know, what's my view on the bill? We've got a bill where 75% of the money's going to broadcasters. If there is any money at all, it's premised on links, which I don't think is the right way to go. This, these are links that are posted by the publishers themselves that are driving, they're driving traffic back to the publishers where they do sell ads and gain subscriptions. So, sure, we can talk about ways to try to support the sector, and in fact, the government has spent hundreds of millions of dollars in tax credits and other systems over the last number of years to try to support the sector. But grounding this legislation in mandated payments for links and basically taking the position as they did to say, if you link, you have to pay. If you don't link, you don't. Uh, then unsurprisingly, the company said, well, okay, fine. We'll simply stop linking. And by the way, we've got legislation that doesn't target Microsoft, doesn't target Twitter, doesn't target Apple, all large platforms that also link to the news. I'm talking to Dr. Michael Geist. He's the Canada Research Chair in Internet and E-Commerce Law at the Centre for Law, Technology and Society at the University of Ottawa. Earlier this morning, I was saying that uh, if I, you know, somebody puts up a thing on, on Twitter or Instagram or wherever it is, and hey, look at this fascinating story from such and such an organization. And I think, wow, that, that looks fascinating. And I click on it and I can't get to it because it's a subscriber-only source. And I don't begrudge that at all on the part of the people who wrote the article and did the research, uh, a little frustrating because I can't read it. I guess I could sign up. Is that what uh, the news organizations need to do more of? Well, certainly we've had we've seen some that have taken an approach where they've they've focused on paywalls and subscription models. I don't I don't think there's a single solution. We've seen a number of of innovative startups that and Village Media, for example, that operates in communities around Ontario that doesn't use a paywall. They've they've simply identified communities that that still have a need for local news and found ways in a digital first environment to provide it. We found lots of online services that are focused on particular verticals. They're they, they become expert and provide real information that isn't otherwise available, that people are willing to pay for on specific kinds of issues. So there are models out there. And one of the questions I think we ought to be asking is whether or not, not only are, is this legislation going to cause predictable harm, it clearly is, but beyond that, are we setting up a rule to try to support certain legacy players that have failed to adapt, that in many instances, much of the money, it seems, goes to bondholders outside of the country? as opposed to supporting actual journalism. Well, uh, maybe I think you're touching on this, the legacy media. I mean, the newspaper, back when I delivered it in Gilbert Plains, Manitoba, in the dark and early at 40 below, uh, the, that newspaper was trying to be everything to everybody, and to some extent it was. It had the classified advertising, which has now disappeared to uh, various sources, and it had sports, and it had news, and it had lifestyle, and it had all of it. And I wonder if what's going to happen eventually is we won't have those big legacy newspapers, but we'll have little organizations like Sabrina Nanji comes on this radio station, and she has an organization, the Queen's Park Observer. That's very niche, but it's also a, a really great thing to have. Well, I think that's right. I think we do see a lot of that that kind of innovation taking place, and we ought to be welcoming it. And one of the real problems with this bill is it actually harms some of those newer players the most, which is why I think it's so deeply troubling. I think there is still space for some of those larger players. We have seen some successes, but you know it requires some significant investment and basically to provide content that people are willing to pay for. And you know, I think the approach we've seen from some of the other players is to move in the opposite direction to provide less and less content 
content and then lament that there are no subscribers anymore. And, you know, when you note some of the other reasons that these companies have faced problems, things like classified ads, that's got nothing to do with Facebook. And, you know, that's that, you know, that dates back to Craigslist more than 15 years ago. So where was the industry back then? All right. So um, I I like what you're saying, and I I want you to respond then to something I hear from listeners on our text board here every time I approach this issue. Um, I think people are mistaken to say this, but they say, who cares if all of you media people go away? You're just a bunch of liars anyway. Yeah, no, you see that. And I think that's a terrible mistake. I think we do depend upon a successful, robust, vibrant media space. And, you know, I often get people saying, well, you shouldn't use Facebook for the news anyway. And I must admit, I don't use Facebook uh, for the news. I don't use Facebook. But but the the reality is there are people that do. And if you are concerned about the viability of the media sector, when you have companies saying that about 30% of their traffic is coming from social media led by Facebook, then you have to recognize that the government's choice that they've made here is to put that at risk. And they've done so despite repeated warnings. And while we see this talk about we're going to stand tough, I don't even know what that means other than as a soundbite, because as they sound tough, these new innovators are going to disappear and social media becomes a news desert for Canadians. Dr. Michael Geis, I got to tell you, I'm shocked to learn the government might not know how to fix this. But uh, (laughs) that said, I appreciated talking to you. Thanks very much. Uh, My pleasure. Thanks for having me.